Hi there. Welcome to the Mind Ramp Podcast. I'm your host, Michael C. Patterson. This episode is going to be about music, how music can help us to keep our bodies and brains healthy and resilient as we age. MindRamp's goal is to feed you evidence-based information that can help you achieve qua-longevity. That's longevity plus quality of life. We approach this goal along two fronts. First, we focus on what can be done to keep our bodies and brains healthy enough to live long lives, longevity. And then second, we explore how to effectively use our healthy bodies and minds to flourish, to live well. In this episode, I'll focus on how music in particular helps us to keep our bodies and brains healthy. In the next episode, part two of this little series, I'll explore how we can use music to reduce risky behaviors and amplify protective behaviors around a number of the behavioral roots of brain health, like physical exercise, mental stimulation, social engagement, and stress management. Then in the third episode, I'll focus on how music can help us to flourish, and I'll relate music to our ideas about hemispheric balance, reducing the influence of the left hemisphere and amplifying the influence of the right hemisphere. So now, music and brain health. I recently did a masterclass for Encore Creativity, which is the nation's largest choral organization for older adults. I have a history with Encore Creativity, which used to be called Encore Chorale. Encore Chorale, which was founded and run by Gene Kelly, was one of the arts programs that Gene Cohen evaluated for his seminal research on creative aging. Gene Cohen was the first to establish that professionally-led arts programs for older adults could measurably improve health metrics and psychological well-being. I was at AARP at the time and was able to provide finishing funds for Gene's research. Well, that all got me involved in the beginnings of the creative aging movement. So I've been interested in how the arts contribute to brain health and successful aging for a couple of decades now. So, the purpose and power of music. I want to start out this discussion about music by saying a few words about the purpose and the power of music. I mentioned being involved with the creative aging movement. Gene Cohn invited me to serve on the the board of directors of the National Center for Creative Aging, which he started with Susan Pearlstein and Gay Hanna. I set up and led the research committee. The NCCA was a nonprofit that supported professional artists who were engaged in serious arts programs for older adults. These programs, like Encore Creativity, were constantly looking for financial support which is a challenge because funders, legislators, and bureaucratic decision-makers tend to think of the arts as a kind of luxury item. Opera singer Renee Fleming put it this way. She said, The problem is that for far too long the arts have been dismissed as soft or as nice to have, not serious or worthy of institutional investment in the realm of health. End quote. 
Fleming, by the way, is now partnering with Francis Collins, former head of uh, NIH, to lead the NeuroArts Blueprint Initiative. Its mission is, and I quote, to cultivate an ecosystem for neuroarts, defined here as the transdisciplinary and extradisciplinary study of how the arts and aesthetic experiences measurably change the body, brain, and behavior, and how this knowledge is translated into specific practices that advance health and well-being, end quote. So I think they have identified one of the big problems faced by arts programs. It's hard for people to see how something as ethereal as music or dance could have a measurable impact on the physical state of our bodies, brains, and behaviors. It's hard to think of the arts as having any real impact on basic survival needs. There's even a controversy in the world of neuroscience and evolutionary biology on this front. And clearly, every culture on Earth engages in the creation and appreciation of art. But does art provide human beings with any kind of adaptive advantage? Could we survive perfectly well without art? Did humans evolve with an innate capacity and desire to make music because it is adaptive? Or is art just a, a side benefit of other, more basic adaptive characteristics? My sense is that music may, in fact, be an extension of some other, more obviously adaptive capability, but that doesn't diminish its current importance or the power of its ability to affect our well-being in very profound ways. I'd like to suggest two ways to reframe the discussion about the purpose and power of music. Thinking of music as sound and thinking of sound as energy. Okay, here's the first reframing idea. Semir Zeki has been called the father of neuroaesthetics. It's the study of the neuroscience of the arts, how the brain makes art and how it is affected by exposure to art. He said something that helped me reframe this question about the purpose of music in a useful way. I'm paraphrasing because I, I don't have his actual quote, but he said something like, ask not the purpose of music, ask instead the purpose of sound. Aha! Well, human beings have clearly evolved to have ears that hear and a brain that can process and interpret sounds. Evolution has clearly equipped us with a complex and nimble vocal apparatus that is capable of using sound in extraordinarily creative and useful ways. The purpose of sound is obvious. It enables us to hear and to communicate. We evolved the capacity to hear sounds because they help us make sense of our environment. They help us to survive. Sound is the primary vehicle through which we communicate with our fellow human beings. Music is intimately connected to our ability to make sounds and to hear sounds, which are fundamental to our capacity to survive and thrive. So from this perspective, the purpose of music is a bit more obvious. 
Now, the second useful reframing builds on the first. It defines music as organized sound. Music is sound that has been manipulated, organized, and structured. Music is our way of playing with our innate ability to produce and process sound. Singing is our way to explore the expressive potential of the sounds we can produce. Since hearing and vocal communication is essential to our survival, it would make sense that evolutionary forces have structured our brains to refine and enhance these abilities through practice and experimentation. Evolution cleverly encourages us to engage in adaptive activities by making them pleasurable. Healthy food tastes good. Sex feels good. Making music, singing and dancing with others feels great. We do it for the fun of it. And the more we play with our capacity to make sound, the more we develop our skill at manipulating and interpreting sound. Professional musicians, for example, who spend their whole lives paying extra close attention to the elements of sound, like timbre, pitch, rhythms, and so on, they have much better hearing in old age than non-musicians. Musicians do a better job of hearing a single voice in a crowded and noisy room than do people who haven't studied music. I like to think of the arts as adult play. As children, we learn how to navigate our lives through play. Educational experts are coming to realize that kids learn best through unstructured, improvisational play. Too often, adults stop playing or fail to treat their jobs as a form of play. The arts and sports are acceptable ways for adults to play with our bodies and our minds and to benefit from the ongoing enrichment of the foundational skills they require. So music is sound. The ability to generate and interpret sound is fundamental to our survival and well-being. Music is organized sound and, as such, explores and develops our capacity to generate and interpret the soundscape that surrounds us. That's the purpose and power of music. So where does the power of music come from? Let's do some more framing of the discussion. On a fundamental level, music is organized energy. Sound is energy. And it is this capacity to manipulate energy effectively that gives music its power to affect our physiology. The Neuro Arts Initiative wants evidence that the arts and aesthetic experiences can measurably change the body, brain, and behavior. Well, music can measurably change the body, brain, and behavior because music is organized energy. Music is organized sound waves, pulses of energy that move the mechanisms of our ear. That physical energy is converted into the energy of electrical impulses that zip across brain cells and then into chemical signals that energize the cells in our bodies. Energy drives brain plasticity. This point was driven home to me in a wonderful book called The Brain's Way of Healing by Norman Doidge. Deutsch has written my two favorite books about brain plasticity. 
His first book, The Brain That Changes Itself, tells the story of how neuroscientists came to realize that our brains are incredibly plastic and malleable throughout the course of our entire lives. Our brains are constantly being shaped and reshaped through interaction with our internal and external environments. These changes can be positive or negative. They can cause the brain to atrophy, or they can cause the brain to wake up and get to work. In The Brain's Way of Healing, his second book, Deutsch discusses amazingly innovative ways that scientists and clinicians have been able to stimulate the plasticity of body and brain to promote healing. Deutsch feels that there are three kinds of neurological activities that lead to positive plastic changes in the brain. They help us to understand how the energy of music, for example, triggers the body and brain to repair itself and to expand its functional capabilities. The three activities Deutsch talks about are neurostimulation, neuromodulation, and neurodifferentiation, the stimulation, modulation, and differentiation of nerve cells. Okay, let's start with neurostimulation. He points out that any kind of energy that gets into the brain has the ability to energize brain cells, to wake them up, to stimulate them to become active. This is the use-it-or-lose-it principle. The brain channels resources to areas that are being used, that are being stimulated. There's no point in investing precious resources on areas of the brain that aren't being used. Areas of the brain that are chronically underutilized will become dormant and begin to atrophy. So you need to get energy into broad areas of the brain to stimulate and wake up all of the neurons and the the glial cells. Music engages broad areas of the brain, engaging a diverse mix of functional modules. So music stimulates areas of the brain that aren't reached by language, for example. So you got neurostimulation because of the energy of sound to the energy of music, you're stimulating and waking up brain cells. The next is neuromodulation. Once energized, brain cell activation can be modulated. It's good to wake up brain cells, but it's better to challenge them to become more sensitive and more flexible. So different types of energy cause different types of change within the cells and with the way they communicate and connect with each other. Play a single note, and the brain will pay attention. Introduce a new thought, and the brain will perk up. But if that single thought or that single note gets repeated over and over and over again, the brain will get bored and will respond with less vigor. The brain pays attention to new information. It builds expectations and is gratified when they are fulfilled and surprised when they are violated. It is the clever manipulation of expectation and surprise that keeps the brain engaged and drives the processes of learning and development. Now, a good narrative manipulates the sound and meaning of words to create expectation and surprise. And good music does the same. Organized sound, organized energy, can explore the full range of potential sounds and rhythms and in so doing modulate the capacity of the brain to hear and process a broad range of sounds. This involves the expansion of functional modules as well as the greater connectivity of disparate parts of the brain. All of this structural growth makes the brain healthier 
and more resilient. Deutsch's third mechanism of brain plasticity is neurodifferentiation. Essentially, this refers to the practice and refinement of neurological activity. The energy of music has stimulated brain cells, waking them up and making them ready for work. The clever modulation of sound energy keeps the brain activated and expands the parts of the brain that are involved and builds connections between them. Well, once these structures are awake and well-connected, they can be further enhanced by playing with them in creative ways, by improvising and experimenting. Mindful attention to sound, to music, mindful production of music, helps the brain develop greater sound acuity. The more practiced in sound, the better the brain can distinguish subtle variations in pitch, timbre, rhythm, volume, and direction. The sound brain is highly connected to the visual brain and to the parts of the brain that control movement. So as music strengthens the sound brain, it also strengthens other parts of the brain. Music engages the brainstem, the limbic system, and the cortex. Music is a full brain workout. So, to summarize, music is organized sound, sound is energy, energy is power. Music is organized energy that can affect positive plastic changes in the brain and body. In the next podcast on music, I'll explore more specifically how music relates to the behavioral roots of brain health, helping us to reduce risky behaviors and to amplify protective behaviors. And then in another podcast, I'll explore how music helps us with our mind management agenda, helping us to be more mindful and to gain more balanced influence between our left hemisphere and our right hemisphere. Thanks so much for listening. Take care of yourself and take care of all of the things that influence your health, your well-being, and your state of mind.